All right, guys. Rover Sports is now live. Before, before we get to Ryan Tannehill, before we get to the new collective, collective bargaining agreement of the National Football League, and I'm sure that tomorrow on Monday, this is going to be released Monday morning probably, um, recording this on Sunday night, uh, the podcast, and this will probably be out on Monday morning. But before we start the podcast, I think it's appropriate right now to say to everybody here um, my thoughts and prayers and pretty much everything that I believe in. Um, I just wanted to tell everybody good luck and my thoughts and prayers are with everybody that is dealing with the virus or dealing with family members that might come in contact with the virus. It's been a very tough time. Today was supposed to be Selection Sunday. It was supposed to culminate an unbelievable college basketball season. We were supposed to celebrate March, and here in the Philadelphia area and around the country, even in Wisconsin and some of the coldest places, springtime is upon us, which means college basketball. It means NFL free agency. It means the Players' Championship, the Masters. But it also means that you could go out and enjoy the game of golf yourself. You can go play tennis. You could play basketball with your friends. You could go over your friend's home or your family's home or your or your maybe your grandmother's house and have her cook a meal. But this year, everything has been put on a halt. And here, specifically in the Pennsylvania area where I'm recording the podcast, everywhere around my neighborhood is is down. And everything is getting eliminated and picked off one by one, Uh, whether it was a golf course that I played at yesterday. Today, that golf course has closed. Whether it's a restaurant I went to last night, that restaurant is closed. Supermarkets being limited. Gas stations on the brink of closing. Schools closing. It's just a constant stream of negativity, of fear, Um Gosh forbid, it's almost like you're living in a simulation of like a, a Hunger Game situation where each each death from the coronavirus is tallied and you're just looking at all these numbers and and your own mortality uh, is questioned or maybe, maybe not to that extreme if you happen to be of a younger age, but maybe those around you. Uh, your illnesses, how sick you could become, uh, just just being so paranoid about the germs and, and the situations that are right near our neighborhoods, that are right near our neighborhoods. And everybody in the town, everybody has just been rattled by this coronavirus and to not have any sports, to not be able to gather with society. To not be able to be around your friends and your loved ones, to not be able to do the liberties that and the freedoms that most of us can experience, which is going to a basketball game, going to a park, playing playing pickup basketball with your buddies, watching the March Madness tournament. This is one of the greatest weeks that I that I have during my year. It's one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. 
is Selection Sunday. Today, I would be obsessing over my bracket, uh, putting off college work, putting off high school work, putting off middle school work to think about what team I would be advancing to the Sweet 16, to the Elite Eight. I'll be calling my friends. I'll be having our conversations with buddies about this tournament. Uh, What are the underdog teams? What teams are going to surprise? Which one seeds are going to be upset? Are you going to the tournament? Are you going to attend tournament games? Can we watch games this weekend? Can we go to a restaurant? Can we go to a bar? Can we go to my buddy's house? Can we play ping pong and watch the dang NCAA basketball tournament? And it's some of the greatest times that my family, that, that, that me, my family, and friends have shared together is watching the Final Four, is watching the opening weekend together, going to a friend's house that has multiple TVs, and enjoying that time and bonding together. And that has all been taken away because of the coronavirus and even the PGA Championship, even playing golf, playing basketball, doing anything with your friends, having any ounce of of freedom or being able to just eat a meal. All of those liberties have kind of been taken away. And when they return, which knock on wood, praying is within like a month, two months, three months, I'm sure that we as a society are not going to take it for granted. Uh, Just those simple things that maybe we took for granted in the past. So maybe that is... Uh, uh, maybe that is one positive way to look at this coronavirus crisis that we have in our society. Um, It also allows us to spend time with our immediate family. It also can allow you, the way I'm spending the time is when I'm not doing, you know, work, college work or podcasting is, you know, watching television, watching great TV shows and, and taking walks and being out and being active and taking walks, being active, playing basketball outside in your yard, uh, even alone, is something I've always loved to do. That's a way that I kind of can get through the time. But I'm thinking about every one of y'all uh, that is listening to this podcast right now. And just know that um, if you're dealing with emotion, if uh, dealing with anxiety, <laughs> I have been there and I've been there maybe even tenfold. Uh, more than y'all. It's it's just been a very frustrating, a very tense time, and a very uncomfortable, sad, all, a lot of negativity, because we should, again, Selection Sunday would be something that, um, oh my gosh, it would be incredible. So anyway, let's get on to sports. Let's take a moment here, um, and let's let's completely take our minds away from this virus and let's just talk about straight football and straight implications of next year because that's what sports are and that is what the NFL is to me a great escape from reality and something that I enjoy thoroughly Ryan Tannehill Ryan Tannehill had himself a tremendous season last year he came in he provided the spark Nine-inch hands from Texas A&M. He was a wide receiver converted to a quarterback by Mike Sherman at Texas A&M. I think his first name's Mike. I just know it's Coach Sherman. And he was there before before the, uh, the coach at Arizona right now, Kevin Sumlin. He was, Sherman was there at Texas A&M before Manziel and before Sumlin. 
and Tannehill, six foot four, so he is kind, he is a big guy. He's six three at least, and he's a he's a very good athlete. He's able to move around. I'd say he's a decent athlete. He's not as fast as Herbert is right now because he's been playing. He's about twenty eight years old, so he's been playing a bunch of years in this league. He just got a contract, and I think it's appropriate that I go to Jeff Darlington, who's been one of the best at uh, covering the story. And I'll give you guys the contract details uh, for Ryan Tannehill. I'll give you guys the contract details. So $118 million total. Each year is about $30 million. $62 million of full guarantee, and the total guarantee is $91 million. However, I don't understand Darlington's numbers here. It doesn't really make any sense here. And this is what maybe the listeners can can point out. It says in 2020 he's making 17.5 million. Oh, these are these are the guarantees. So if he gets hurt, he doesn't equal the 29 and a half. He has 17.5 million guaranteed, 27 and a half, 29 million guaranteed. The total is 29.5 per average. So that's still not very good because even though the guarantees might be less than a Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo get paid about $28 million each per year. This is a guy in Miami that never won a playoff game, that was a starter for five years, and that played average football. Even though he had Adam Gase, he didn't have a lot of weapons around him. You can make those arguments. This guy didn't inspire. Uh, he made the comment about the practice squad guys. Um, he was a guy that I don't think was an incredible leader, and he, and, he, and a great quarterbacks can change programs around. Great quarterbacks get paid this kind of money. Ryan Tannehill against Kansas City did fine. He had a very good playoff run. He was very good against the Colts. He had Derrick Henry, one of the best backs in the NFL, so he was able to go play action. He had Corey Davis. He did elevate the play of A.J. Brown and Giannu Smith, so he did have a very good eight-game sample size, but with that being said, said I would not give Ryan Tannehill that kind of contract I think it's very irresponsible to give Ryan Tannehill 29 and a half million dollar averages which is more than Derek Carr who's been a better quarterback than him for the long haul it's more than Jimmy Garoppolo who just won the NFC who's been a very good quarterback and it's even more money than Kirk Cousins who is really a budding star in Washington and who's actually had a terrific year last year and and a guy that I look at as a big-time franchise quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, to me, probably wouldn't even crack the top 18 of quarterbacks in the NFL. Even though he was able to win a couple of playoff games, look at the mistake that Jacksonville made with Blake Bortles, who had one tremendous season. Look at Nick Foles, who was able to win a Super Bowl. Look at Joe Flacco, who was able to win a Super Bowl. Those two guys now are looking at being released, so you can't fall in love with eight games. Tennessee was 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 entertaining the idea of possibly signing Tom Brady, a quarterback who's won six championships. Probably, I would say, for me, he's the best quarterback to ever play. Six championships, MVP, holds the touchdown uh, regular season record. Well, Mahomes broke that, but in 2007, he was impeccable. Tom Brady's accomplishments with New England, 
and Tom Brady was possibly going to go to the Tennessee Titans. Instead, Tennessee ends up with this quarterback who couldn't even make it in Miami, who is a backup quarterback who filled in and did an admirable job as a backup coming in in relief duty. And in fact, teams didn't really have tape on Tannehill in the Tennessee scheme. They didn't have tape on the um, the offensive coordinator there. Uh, who is uh, who is Smith? Who is the the son of the FedEx um, owner? The Titans OC. Going to look it up right now. The Titans offensive coordinator is Arthur Smith, and he had a very good year. But also, that offense was led by the man who I believe led the NFL in rushing, the rushing title champion. That is King Henry. Derrick Henry had an unbelievable playoffs, okay? When we look at Derrick Henry's statistics last year, which if you guys, if you watch the NFL, Derrick Henry almost took his team to a Super Bowl, put him, put his team on his back. I mean, Ryan Tannehill only threw for like 60 or 80 yards against the... Um, against the Patriots. He only threw for maybe 116 yards against the, the, the Baltimore Ravens. Derrick Henry, if we look at Derrick Henry's statistics, guys, Derrick Henry really was the guy who led that team. I want to look at the game log here of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, last year, he rushed for 1,500 yards, over 1,500 yards, okay? This guy, let me tell you about Derrick Henry now. Let me go to, I got to go to the game logs here. I got I to go to the game logs here. Derrick Henry Game locks, because I, I, I just want to tell you how good Derrick Henry was in these games. I just want to tell you how good he was in these games. In the playoffs against the Baltimore Ravens, 30 carries 195 yards in these games, including a thrown touchdown pass on that trick play. Derrick Henry against New England, 34 carries, 182 yards. Those two games, and then you combine that with three weeks, Kansas City, 188 yards, Jacksonville, 159. He goes for 150 at Indianapolis. Against Houston, 211, 182, and 195. Those three games in the modern era, that's the most yards rushing ever in the modern era, in three weeks of football is Derrick Henry. And that is the guy that you should have signed to a three-year deal is Derrick freaking Henry. Derrick Henry is 26. He's going to be 29 years old. You give him a three-year deal worth $48 million. Tannehill's the perfect guy, the franchise tag. I mean, let's look at Ryan Tannehill, and now let's really look at his, his, uh, his season, his, his stats each and every year. So Tannehill, 
with the Dolphins. He did have a year in 2014, 27 touchdowns, 12 picks. But again, he's thrown for 4,000 yards, just over 4,300 yards. But then with Miami, he got hurt in 2017. And in 2016, 2,995 yards, 19 touchdowns, 12 picks. 2018, not very good either. And Miami only made it to one playoffs. Miami only made it to one playoffs. I'd love to see the win-loss rate of Ryan Tannehill. In his career, ironically, even with the year last year in Tennessee, where he was 7-3, and so he had a four-game winning streak. That would mean that he was like 42 and like 46 uh, record-wise. He's 49-49 and as a quarterback. 49-49. and His quarterback rating last year was 117. His quarterback rating is actually pretty decent. QBR, very good, 117 in 2018, 92, 93. Somehow the QBR is good, but this guy, let me tell you, this guy, his TD to interception ratio is actually not awful. Hundred forty-five to eighty-one. However, his record is eight and eight. So you guys can be in the camp of Ryan Tannehill, who, by the way, Ryan Tannehill, six-four. He's thirty-one years old. He's going to be thirty-five years old uh, by the time that uh, the contract's over. You could believe Ryan Tannehill, who in Miami, you could believe that he was anything other than an average quarterback. There's a reason he was a backup, and there was a reason that the Tennessee Titans, when they signed Tannehill, you thought that his career would just fizzle out. You know, Marcus Mariota struggles, which allows Ryan Tannehill to even get the opportunity. Now, you could say that that Mike Vrabel had unbelievable foresight to to sign Ryan Tannehill that he was that he was really confident in Tannehill and and could see all and, and that Tannehill just needed to go get a change of scenery to be unlocked but I'm just not convinced that the 49 and 49 quarterback who I watched in Miami a long time and was uninspired by I'm not sure that this guy is going to lead to consistent postseason success. And I'm going to argue right now that Ryan Tannehill is not going to be a quarterback that is going to help the Tennessee Titans get to a Super Bowl title. He's not going to help them get to a Super Bowl. And guess what? They're not even winning the division next year. They're going 7-9 and nine with Ryan Tannehill. And Mike Vrabel, within three years, if he holds on to Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans aren't going anywhere. So that's my opinion. Maybe that's the majority opinion. I've just seen Tannehill play way too much. I've seen the sample size. And the sample size of him being elite or very good was just eight games last year. He was a good quarterback, but he also had the best dang runner in the NFL in Derrick Henry, who had the th- who had one of the best playoff performances in the postseason that any running back has ever had in the history of the National Football League. Derrick Henry put himself on the map to possibly be an NFL Hall of Fame caliber running back. That's how dominant he was. And he almost took 
the Tennessee Titans almost single-handedly, almost took them to the Super Bowl. He beat Baltimore single-handedly, beat the Patriots, and he was a guy that if anybody was going to mention the Tennessee Titans and the success of Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, it wasn't going to be the quarterback that threw for 80 yards for 116 yards. It was going to be the the, the best running back in the NFL, Derek King Derek Henry. King Henry. That was the guy that was driving the bus. And I'm sure I talked to a lot of Titans fans. They were excited about Tom Brady being in Nashville. And you look at this quarterback draft, and you got Jacob Eason. You have a chance to get him maybe at the top of the second round. You could get James Morgan maybe in the fourth round, which is maybe what they should still do so that they can maybe try to move off of that Tannehill contract. Because I'm not, Brian Tannehill to me is not a quarterback that's winning you a championship. And all of your goals should be to winning a Super Bowl, to finding that special quarterback. And paying this quarterback $30 million when rookie quarterbacks like Mahomes are making like $10 million or. I want to go to what the rookie quarterbacks are, are making uh, on Spock track, even the best quarterbacks. And you look at teams that, that are successful. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who they signed you know, before he got really good, $28 million a year. Uh, you know, you did have Breeze, you did have the Vikings, but you had you had Jared Goff the year before, not making a ton of money. But now he just got signed. Mitchell Trubisky was real. The Bears were good the year before, and Carson Wentz before. So. I'll tell you the contracts, contracts by position. Let's look at the quarterbacks. And this has always been my theory is I always want to draft a rookie quarterback and nobody is implementing this in the play because the thing that the, the thing that you should do, the thing that you should do, this is what you should do. You should, after four years, if your quarterback isn't Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Russell Wilson, or one of those elite level, like top six, seven guys, you should try to sign the quarterback for 25 mil a year. If you can't do that, just go draft a rookie quarterback. All right, so let's see the contract value. Going to go to quarterback contracts. I want to see the list of some of the best deals in the NFL. So the average salary, that's the number I care about. Average salary. You have Ben, who's making 34, Aaron, 33 million, Jared Goff, 33 million, but Tannehill is making $29.5 million. That is more money than Kirk Cousins, more money than Garoppolo. Drew Brees this year making $25 million. Tom Brady made twenty three million last year. And now you look at all the young guys. Mahomes, what a steal, making less than $5 million. I love that. Daniel Jones making $6 million. Would you rather have Daniel Jones or Tannehill? I will take Daniel Jones. I'm just more excited by Jones. Trubisky about Tannehill's level, $7 million. What, making $23 million less? $23 million can go sign you one amazing, could go sign you two really good defensive players, or maybe one incredible defensive player, or maybe three really good players. Really good players. 
Look at Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen making just over $5 million a year. That is why that team is stacked. The, the, the Cleveland Browns, all the cap flexibility that they have. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett making $15 million. And then you look at Matt Ryan, tons of money. Big Ben got hurt. Aaron Rodgers, kind of an overachieving team with an easy schedule. Jared Goff team was terrible last year. Carson Wentz, not the same team. Declining team, limited flexibility in the cap. Stafford making money, 27 and a half mil. Team not doing well. Derek Carr, same way. You got to go with these rookie quarterbacks who make around $5 million. That's what Mahomes is making as the 10th pick in the draft. The way to go is the route of the rookie quarterback who makes $5 million. So you have like maybe, you know, $30 million extra every single year to spend money. Then you get your Jadavion Clownies, you get your Khalil Max, you get your Aaron Donalds, your beast defensively. You could pay a Byron Jones and a Mari Cooper. You could go out and sign a Derrick Henry. You could go sign Melvin Gordon. You can get great running backs, great talent, sign corners, sign safeties, linebackers. The Jets last year spent good money on C.J. Mosley, big-time player. The 49ers, D. Ford, able to fit onto the contract. 49ers, Quan Alexander, a free agent signing, was really, really good for the 49ers. So the 49ers, they drafted defensive linemen, but then they also were able to acquire Richard Sherman in free agency. Able to acquire Sherman. Able to trade House Emmanuel Sanders. Able to sign a Tevin Coleman, not even need a Tevin Coleman, but able to, 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 to have that running back flexibility. Flexibility is what allows you if you don't sign this quarterback deal. And having 10 out $29.5 million a year is so irresponsible. $23 million would have been a good price. That would have been a decent deal. Now, the guarantees are more backloaded for Tannehill, like I guess a performance-based or injury-based things, but still, I mean, I absolutely hate the deal. I'm not a Tannehill fan, and my position's pretty simple on that, and he hasn't proven it. He's been in the league, what, seven, eight years, never won a playoff game, 49-49 and 49 overall, never was a great deep ball thrower. Had one unbelievable year last year, really good last year, but he also had Derrick Henry in the backfield in the offensive line with Lawan. Jack Conklin was healthy last year. Um, Saffold was a signing that was a really good signing. I always liked uh, his work with the L.A. Rams. Ben Jones. And then the other guard on their team, it might have been A.J. Klein. It might have been a Klein, I think, was the – the other guard, I'm, I need to maybe go on our lads and find that out. But I'm just not a Tannehill fan, and I love going the route of the rookie quarterback. I would have went Jacob Eason. I would have looked look at Justin Herbert. He threw the ball flat-footed 60 yards. Guy's mobile, bio-major, 4-0 guy, clean off the field, no social media, intelligent, intelligent kid. 
Um, you have Tua, you have Herbert, Joe Burrow's going to go number one. Jacob Eason has an absolute howitzer for a right arm. Guy is so talented. Just get get Eason motivated, uh, get him an offensive line. I'm sure Eason could do similar to Tannehill, and you're going to be paying Eason, what, $3 million if he's the 20th pick in the draft, which is where some project Eason to go. People are projecting Eason after Jordan Love. I'm not sold on the Utah State quarterback. But again, I would take Eason at three mil. I, I think Eason's a better player than Ryan Tannehill. I think Tannehill's like towards the back half, like the 22nd best quarterback in football. Because in Miami, he was a complete afterthought in Miami. He didn't really gather any attention. And I guess it, people couldn't tell my argument. There is another side to the argument, which is Spencer, you're being lazy. Miami didn't have the infrastructure. Who does well in Miami? They haven't had a quarterback in so long. Even Chad Pennington struggled there. And when you know when players leave Miami, they can often be successful. And it's Miami, and they've been in dysfunction since Dan Marino left. So you could make that argument, but I believe Tannehill is a journeyman. I believe that he'll he'll be an average, average quarterback. Uh, maybe he'll be at the level of Derek Carr. Or maybe even less. He might even be at the he might play like Mitchell Trubisky this year. And now with the money he's making, instead of having a great quarterback in relief and enjoying the magical season, this guy is supposed to be the franchise guy. For the Tennessee Titans. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying on success for Tennessee. And as a quarterback, if you win, you're going to get more credit often than you may deserve. And if you lose, you're going to get um you're going to take on the you're going to take on the blame. And I do try to watch these games closely, and I have been watching the NFL more closely. Um but the fact is, your franchise quarterback, I don't believe Ryan Tannehill is a franchise quarterback. I don't believe he's a great franchise quarterback. He's making $20.5 million. He's now in the top seven in terms of quarterbacks in the league. He's not a top 10 quarterback. I'm just telling you that. He's more of a top 23 quarterback in this league or a bottom 10 quarterback. How about that? Phrase that. Bottom 10 quarterback. Let's talk about the NFL-CBA agreement. So I went on this pod a couple weeks ago, and I said that I didn't like the NFL-CBA, and I still don't like it. The 17 games is weird. The preseason, just back up the preseason and play two games. Maybe the owners need that extra week uh, for them to get more money so that they're able to pay these players. Uh, but still, and then having the second seed in the playoffs not get a bye, having to have them go on wild card weekend, I mean, you can have a 12-4 and four team that could get picked off by a 7-9 and nine team because now the regular season's devalued. It's going to come down to one game. And already the playoffs, uh, teams are tired. And now you're adding in an extra week where you could have extra buys and, and and put it this way, if you're if you're if you're the three seed or yeah, if you're the three seed or the two seed, you got the home seed locked up, you're not even gonna be playing for anything. Now I guess it could get interesting towards the back half, but I love the the regular model. I love the six teams making the playoffs, the two wild cards and the division winners, because now it puts less emphasis on each week of the regular season because the playoff is expanded. In college football, 
there's only four teams who make a playoff. In the NFL, with each conference, there is 12 total teams that make the playoffs. In college football, we want to expand it to eight teams because we want to see three rounds. But in the NFL, there is four rounds already of football. And it's not like you have a UCF. It's not like you can have an undefeated team in the NFL that doesn't get a chance to go to the playoffs. In college football, we want to see teams outside of the Power Five get an opportunity. Now you're going to see teams the regular season in a one-game playoff scenario. We do love, I do love March Madness, and I do love the NFL playoffs, but I want to reward the regular season. I want it to be very hard to get into the playoffs. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The NFL is a wonderful product. It's a, it's a fantastic game. It's just about perfect. I love the NFL playoffs. I've never had a problem with the NFL playoffs ever. Preseason in August is four weeks long, and I get to watch backup quarterbacks trying to make a job. I get to watch backup receivers like Victor Cruz had that amazing game when he was a practice squad guy for the Giants against Rex Ryan, where Rex Ryan famously said after he scored three touchdowns in the fourth preseason game, this kid's going to be a player someday. And then the following year, he took it 99 yards on that same Rex Ryan team en route to becoming a superstar in the NFL, en route to becoming the number one receiver on a champion, on, the, on, the, on a world championship New York Giants 2011 team. Point I'm trying to make is preseason, it's August. There's no baseball anymore. Are we really going to complain about four preseason games? It's not perfect. Fine. Make it two or three preseason games. Eliminate them and make the starters not even play. Have the starters not even play. But you, when you're in August, I mean, my morale in August is, is still great. I mean, last couple weeks of vacation, the season's right around the corner, college and NFL football, and I get 16 weeks of the NFL. You only get 12 weeks of college football. Who is clamoring for this extra week? I guess the fans just want more and more. When you get too much of something, too much of a good thing ain't a good thing. So for the, for the, for the consumer, you're now going to have players getting hurt. I mean, look at Deshaun Watson get hurt. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He got hurt. Quarterbacks are going to be getting hurt. Superstar players are going to be getting hurt. More now that the season is so long, you're going to see resting, you're going to see unusual activity, and now just the most healthy team is going to win a Super Bowl championship. And the fact that a number two seed cannot get a a buy, I just I just really dislike that a lot. And I think that the NFL product's going to suffer. And maybe we can go back to the original model because look at the pass interference thing. I told you guys, for guys that listen to Rover Sports, that even though the Saints got absolutely screwed, and I'd say 95% of the listeners agree that the Saints absolutely got screwed by that call, and it was an awful call in that moment, didn't mean that we needed to change the entire system of the referees and of the replay system and of reviewing every pass interference that was known that that was being called, that we had to do the whole challenging every pass interference, just slowing down the game. It just was so unnecessary. Those guys blew a bad call. It happened. It happened at a horrible time. If it happened in a regular season game, then we probably wouldn't even really hear about it. But it happens. Calls are missed. It's a part of the game. 
Drew Brees still had an opportunity in overtime to answer, to go win the game, to go get points. He didn't do it. The Saints had an, had the Saints had 60 minutes and then overtime to show that they were the better team at home than the LA Rams and they didn't do it. That call would have won them the game, yes, but they weren't clearly the better team. It was about a 50-50 ball game at home in the NFC Championship. There are ways to win a game and get over officiating. Sometimes there's not, but the Saints definitely had their chance, and most of the time you're going to have a chance to win a game without the officiating. With the officiating. So just I just don't like this. It's changing for the sake of change. I do like the marijuana policy, though. That's the one good thing about this new rule is that players could take painkillers all the time. Marijuana, I don't think it's a big deal. If you smoke weed, I'm not offended by that. Uh, if it helps your stress and anxiety, if it helps you, good. I mean, if you're stoned and, and, you, and you're driving, that could, that's a dangerous thing. If you're irresponsible with driving a car or being in a certain situation where you're absolutely stoned, but the same could be said about having maybe two five-hour energy drinks can kind of, you know, is legal too, or alcohol. So I look at weed and, and legalizing weed usage, especially medical usage, which is what guys like, like Gordon, Percy Harvin, a lot of guys in the NFL, um, who else, Ricky Williams, a lot of guys in the NFL went to smoking pot. And it could be used, especially it's such a violent game that the NFL is, to escape the stresses of life, but also a football life. I'm very, I try to be compassionate towards players that, that choose to use that. I could see how weed can help. I could see how marijuana can help. So I think that it is a great adjustment by the NFL. But in terms of 17 games, in terms of the number two seed not getting a playoff, in terms of extending it to seven teams, so now we're going to have eight and eights and seven and nines getting into the playoffs, the regular season is going to be devalued. That is just a fact of the information, and I don't like that one bit. I don't like that. Other things I'm going to conclude. I started off the show with the NCAA tournament. And I'm going to say this as the last topic of today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening to Rover Sports. I'll probably release a video episode tomorrow with you guys talking about the Tannehill, the CBA, and there will be so much free agency news. So this podcast, uh, I am going to release this tomorrow. But, but we're going to talk about college basketball here. I believe that the seniors should get a chance. Uh, to come back of of these college basketball. Now, a lot of people are saying, ah, you played the entire season. You shouldn't be able to come back. You basically played the entire year. The spring sports, fine. But also these guys, they should have the ability, if they want, for a six-year or fifth-year of eligibility to play because they didn't get to play in the tournament. And if they want to go, if they want to go to the NBA or start their jobs, I'd completely get it. But you should give these guys an opportunity. And also, they shouldn't really have to take classes. So say that you can work a job, you can make money, you could be a real estate agent or be a, an office worker in the town or be a GA maybe, or, or not completely with the university. That might confuse things. But maybe work a job in the town. I believe you should be able to do that. And you should be able, if you're if you're a guy like on Dayton's basketball team or you're a senior on San Diego 
state. When you go overseas and you play overseas, it is going to be great to make money, but overseas isn't going anywhere. But your opportunity to play with your brothers, to play with your Conrads, to play with your boys, to play with your best friends that you make playing basketball, to play on national television for a chance at a national championship, that is what kids grow up and dream about is that opportunity and to take it from them because of this because of this extremely rare case of this pandemic which the NCAA tournament hasn't been canceled since 1933 this is unforeseen this is awful because of this coronavirus now now we're saying to these epic seniors Marcus Howard Miles Powell um Obi Toppin, you go down the list like Malachi Flynn of San Diego State. We're going to go tell these guys you can't come back and play in the NCAA tournament even though we give out medical redshirts for seniors. Come on. The best part of the year is conference championship week, and it's and it's the NCAA tournament. It's what you play for. It's another it's another season in itself. And the say and 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 for some to not have the compassion to be like ah well you should let the eighteen year old freshman it's going to be unfair to them competing and to say ah well the season you know they got to play the entire regular season who cares I mean it's it's all you play the regular season and go to the dance it's about the dance and why can't we allow these seniors another chance to play a full year with this horrible corona case why can't we allow these seniors why can't we have the compassion to these guys cuz when you're a college basketball player like you remember Matt Howard you even remember guys like Ron Baker or or, or Connor Frankamp when these guys go overseas Avery Dingman, Will Artino. When these guys go overseas and make money it's great but they're in the spotlight for a reason you look at Makai Mason, Ali Farokmanes, Jordan Eggleseeder, Cole Aldridge. These guys, Jimmer Ferdet. These guys are college basketball superstars. Adam Morrison crying on the floor. These guys are college basketball superstars. They're not there for NBA. They're legends, Sherwood Brown, Brett Comer. They're legends in college basketball. They're college basketball Legends, Jakob Poland, Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher. They're guys that I remember for college basketball. Psycho T, Tyler Hansborough, Wayne Ellington, Gerald Henderson, Nolan Smith, John, all college basketball players. Uh, Kevin Pitznagel, who, now is, who does work at a Chevy dealership now. Imagine if those guys didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. And if guys want to go to the NBA... Go to the NBA. No one's saying no. But there are going to be a large amount of seniors that want to come back and play. Because when you go to Europe, even though you might make more money, it's often about what, it, what the joy it brings to your family and leaving a legacy. Ryan Archie Diacono, that Villanova team, Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins not playing in the NBA. That shot is the greatest shot probably. It is the greatest shot in tournament history to win. It's what kids dream about. Right elbow three to win the national championship. That's what kids dream about. And you're taking away that moment maybe from Miles Powell. You're taking that away from Marcus Howard. 
you're taking that away from these seniors. And for these 18 to 19 year old freshmen saying that these seniors uh, saying that these seniors have to leave so these guys can go one and done or these guys can I mean come on these are freshmen. I don't feel bad for the freshmen. They have four more years of playing basketball at school. These seniors their time is up. I don't even feel bad for the NBA players that have to wait till June or July to complete the season because every year they get a chance. There's no time clock. There's no four years. You could play as long as you're good enough in, in professional sports. College sports, when you're a senior, that's that urgency because your time is over after four years. And to not allow these kids to play basketball, to not exceed the olive branch when the NCAA, Tate Martell, can just transfer to, to Miami and get immediate eligibility. Guys can just transfer and get immediate eligibility, or guys play for six years all the time. Guys transfer have to sit out a year. They transfer, they have to sit out a year. Guys are fifth-year seniors all the time. For In this horrible case, to not do right by the student-athlete, because that's what college basketball is about. It's not about the, it is about the fans. It is about the coaches. You know who it's about most is these players. Coaches are there for their players. These are college students, college kids having the most fun in their life. The coaches are a big part of the game. The fans are a huge part of the game, the university, but the specific kids that play college basketball, the players that they are really what makes the game of college basketball. And the fans, everybody's important, but the player, but making things great for the player, that's what makes college basketball and the tournament so special, especially seniors. Like when Ali Farouk-Manesh, he lost to GW, or he lost, excuse me, out in Washington. They lost to a juggernaut. I think it was Purdue. In Seattle, I remember that game. But when Allie, during his senior year, Cedar's a senior, Adam Cook, the Missouri Valley Player of the Year, probably the best Cook brother. You, you know, you have, you have Jake, stretch four, <laughs> really could shoot it, and then you have Bennett, good post player for you and I. But Adam was a star. Adam's probably the best player out of all of them. When he was there, Cedar, Northern Iowa, Cedar Falls, seniors, Lucas O'Rear, going to be a minor league baseball pitcher after this, Johnny Moran. When those seniors, I don't even know if Moran might have been a junior or whatever. When those guys, those seniors, during their last run, were able to have the greatest game in Northern Iowa history, and those guys for Rokmanesh, a three good, are you serious, that call by Kevin Harlan in Oklahoma City in 2011, that is what college basketball, that is what sports are all about, is those seniors who get to make the run together. About NORAD. Shelvin Mack, Matt Howard, George Mason seniors. Really, the magic of college basketball is about the seniors. Fletcher McGee. Fletcher McGee. The legends, the seniors. Those are the guys that I love, and, and those are the guys I love to root for. The seniors, the upperclassmen that are making their run towards a championship. The Matt Moonies that go from South Dakota to Texas Tech to play. 
DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy, even though they're juniors, they could have went pro. They came back. They only had two years left, but it's really about these seniors. Shabazz Napier's a senior. Imagine Shabazz Napier. You take him out of the tournament. You take Kemba out, who's a senior. I think he's I don't I think he's a senior. I think Shabazz senior. You take those guys out, Wilbekin, TJ McConnell, you take Decker. Commence, you take those guys out of college basketball, you take the seniors out. You don't allow some some of the best teams are led by seniors, some of the champions. You don't allow Russ Smith, your Peyton Sivas to play. Some national champions wouldn't be national champions. Those seniors can't play because seniors, they make the NCAA tournament that experience. And to not allow these seniors to experience the best part of sports, my favorite part of sports, and, and, the, and the high point of their college basketball careers for the majority of these kids, the high point is playing in this tournament. That's the high point of playing in March, is playing in March on CBS, on TNT, on TBS, even on True TV. Having Nance announce your game, having your family see you at these games, that is what's right. And if kids want to go to the NBA, if kids want to go play professionally, if kids want to go get a job and make some income and make some money, I still think you should be able to come back and not take any classes for this special emergency coronavirus situation. But if you want to go just get a job and focus on that full time, you should give the student athlete a choice. You should give them a, a choice if they want to go chase March Madness again and chase magic, chase Cinderella, chase a championship. That's what I got for you guys today. Rover Sports. I want to thank you guys for listening to the pod. I'll try to release it. Thank you guys for listening. Love each and every one of you for listening to the show. Again, stay safe. Relax. Be around your loved ones. Be around your friends. Cheer them up. And we'll get through this time, guys. And um, thinking of all of y'all. And uh, thank you guys again for listening. This is Rover Sports. Thanks, guys. Take care.